Chapter Two of Beauty's Hour, a Fantasy, by Olivia Shakespeare. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. When I reached Lady Harmon's that morning, I found the two girls, Clara and Betty, alone in their mother's study. Betty, with the face of a Romney and the manners of an engaging child, is wholly attractive clara is handsome too she rather affects a friendship with me on intellectual grounds which bores me her theories are the terror of my life being always in direct opposition to my own for which i have to try and account but on this particular morning she had nothing more momentous on her mind than a dance which her mother was giving the next evening you must come to it betty cried it will be such fun talking it over afterwards onlookers always see most of the gain you know you are very kind betty i said they had long ago insisted that i should call them by their christian names has it ever struck you that onlookers would sometimes like to be in the game instead of outside it betty looked a little confused well somebody must look on said she and it's lucky when they see how funny things are as you always do mary is there any particular game going on just now i inquired can i be of any use there's bella said both girls i was very anxious to know the precise sum of bella's iniquities i shoved away my papers with an entire lack of conscience and sat expectant of course bella is very young clara began she being about twenty-one herself one mustn't judge her too hardly has she been doing anything you would not have done yourself i asked betty looked at me and raised her eyebrows clara was apt to pose as an example to her younger sister well said clara if i were engaged to someone as nice as gerald and handsome and well off and all the rest of it i don't think i'd encourage a little wretch like mr trench clara's social ethics are of a wonderful simplicity because you'd think it wrong i suggested well so silly said clara i think bella has a perfect right to do as she likes broke in betty she's not engaged to gerald he hasn't proposed to her and he ought to for she's awfully fond of him i agree with you both said i miss sturgis is silly but not altogether to be blamed am i to observe her and mr trench together and report the phases of the flirtation to you yes that was what they wanted do you seriously think i'm coming to your dance i went on why i haven't got a dress or a face fit to show in a ballroom and i've not been to a ball for years they fought this statement inch by inch they would lend me a dress my face didn't matter and after all i was only twenty-eight not really old i ended the discussion by promising to go for an idea had flashed into my mind that made me dizzy supposing the other the beautiful mary renewed her existence again that evening might she not enjoy a strange a brief triumph would there not be a perfect though a secret pleasure in seeing the look in gerald harmon's eyes 
in surprising the altered tones of his voice for beauty drew him like a magnet i fell into such a deep silence over this thought that clara and betty grew weary and went away and i did not see them again till luncheon-time there were three visitors the man who was in love with betty and the man with whom betty was in love the juxtaposition of the two always delighted me i don't believe they hated one another but each believing himself to be the favoured lover had a fine scorn for the other's folly the third guest was bella sturgis gerald sat at the end of the table opposite his mother as i have said the frost kept him from hunting and he was disconsolate with him as with many finely bred finely tempered englishmen sport was a passion more a religion he put into his hunting his shooting his cricket all the ardour all the sincerity that are necessary to achievement i respected this in him even while it moved me to a kind of pity for i felt instinctively that though he might have skill and courage to overcome physical difficulties or danger he was totally unfitted to cope with the more subtle side of life and would be helpless in the face of an emotional difficulty on this day of which i write he was evidently suffering from some jar to the even tenor of his life of which the continued frost was a merely superficial aggravation by his side sat bella sturgis i looked at her with a more critical eye than usual she had a great air of languid distinction everything about her was perfect from the pose of her head to the intonation of her voice she very rarely looked at me and i don't think she had ever clearly realised who i was i felt sure gerald had not imparted his discoveries to her with regard to my wits i never spoke at luncheon when she was there but to-day the memory of that face in the glass the night before made me reckless and audacious i've been constituted the girl's special reporter to-morrow night said i to gerald i am to observe the faces and the flirtations then you may constitute yourself my special reporter too said he gloomily it will be the next best thing to dancing i went on why don't you dance miss sturgis asked lifting her eyes and looking at me for an instant i confess i was a little surprised at the cleverness of her thrust because nobody asks me i said with a smile my candour had no effect on her she turned to gerald with an air that dismissed the whole subject i noticed that he would hardly answer her and i supposed that the breach between them had widened so she addressed herself to the man with whom betty was in love thereby throwing the table into a state of suppressed agitation with the exception of lady harmon who professed to notice none of the details of domestic life she left such things to the girls or the servants and devoted herself to the care of people in billingsgate or in the tropics who had need of her she said but she was really kind and always had a joint for lunch because it was mary's dinner and though i often yearned for the other more interesting dishes 
i never dared to suggest any deviation from beef and mutton to-day it was mutton won't you have some more said lady harmon i can't help thinking how much we waste some of my poor families would be so glad of this and here's only mary touches it oh mother said betty your poor people are always starving and a leg more or less wouldn't make much difference what's an arm or a leg compared with a face said the young man who was in love with betty with his eyes fixed on her his remark had no direct bearing on the subject which he had but half followed and it sent her into a fit of suppressed laughter with which clara remonstrated in an undertone i don't care said the rebellious betty it's gerald's house and as long as he doesn't mind my giggling i shall giggle i mind nothing said the master of the house his mood was obviously overcast i saw bella throw a look at him out of her deep eyes the eyes of a woman who has always lived under emotional conditions i began to realize dimly what such conditions might be like he got up and pushed his chair from the table will you excuse me said he i have an engagement do go said lady harmon you are always late gerald i'm sure you ought to go at once bella held out her hand to him it's au revoir not good-bye said he and did not take it that evening my transformation took place again under the same conditions of ardent desire on my part to-morrow said i to miss waitley i shall go to the harmon's ball in the character of mary haverley haverley had been my mother's maiden name but you have no dress said miss waitley and how can you account for yourself i must do it i cried you must think of some plan let us go said she to dr trefusis chapter two